The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 274. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of BleedingGreenNation.com. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from Philly Voice. A lot to get to. Won't waste a lot of time on the intro here. Brandon, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Jimmy, it's the first Eagles pregame podcast of the 2022 season, which That's should hopefully right. be an exciting season. I want to apologize to listeners up front because last episode was a disaster. And I said we were going to come back and do a second half, and then we didn't. Things got way too busy, I'm sure. Uh, same for you with you know Labor Day weekend and trying to take advantage of kind of the last little break that we had before the season. Um, I spent like, I don't know, at least three hours, three, four hours. I felt like cleaning my place because I had been you know gone with the joint training camp practices and my place was a mess. So uh, apologies about that. But look, we're back now. BGN Radio is here. We're previewing week one, Eagles versus Lions. But before we do, Jimmy, of course, Righteous Felon, Craft Jerky, it's the place to go for your snacks. The season is here. It's You need snacks. This is week one. This is week one. Week one has begun already. When, <laughs> when, when power rankings start coming out and injury reports and matchups between two teams, they start getting published. We're in week, this is week one right now already. I mean, the first game is literally tonight. We're recording this at 8.23 a.m. Mm-hmm. Yep. as I say this right now on Thursday, September 8th. And the Buffalo Bills will be playing the Rams tonight. Excited to see football is back. What better way to enjoy a football game than to snack on your favorite meat snack, which you can get at rightsellin.com, discount code BGN20. Through now, from now until the end of September, BGN20 for 20% off. Get it before it goes back down to 15%. Jimmy, it's a loaded show. How are you doing? I never ask how you're doing, I guess. Yeah, get to hear I think that's kind of rude, actually. I always ask you how you're doing, and then I never get to say how I'm doing. <laughs> well, let, let's hear about it. But I'm fine. Oh, you know what? I have a mistake <laughs> on my article that people are pointing out on Uh-oh. Twitter, and I have to fix that. Well, right while you now. do that, I will set up a little bit. Oh, of we're God get damn into. it. Uh-oh. Is it big? <laughs> uh, whatever. Uh I'll fix it. Seamus is in the article editing it right now. Okay. Which means I can't get into it, which is a good thing that he's in there doing his job. 
Uh, but when, whenever I try to get in and fix my own mistake, I can't. And then time go, goes along as I have a glaring error in my article. So uh, these are these are writer problems. Writer problems. A little peek behind <laughs> the curtain here. The uh, editor we use at, at Vox um, as the whole, but specifically mm-hmm. uh, me at Bleeding Green Nation, is really nice. Uh, chorus. You can actually, multiple people can edit an article at the same time and you can actually see it live. You can see like as what people are typing and editing as it's happening. So uh, I feel like you guys have to step up your game at Philly Voice. But loaded show today. We're going to get into some of the news going on with the Eagles to kind of the housekeeping, if you will, then start previewing the Eagles offense versus the Lions defense. Take a break. We get into the Lions defense versus the Eagles. Did I just say that already? No, Eagles, Eagles offense, Lions defense at first, then Eagles defense, Lions offense, some special teams talk, and then we will make our picks against the spread, as we always do, with a new little twist this year, a new extra layer into that. So stick around for that. Obviously, don't tune out. I mean, it's a podcast. Why wouldn't you listen to the whole thing? But Jimmy, uh, getting into the housekeeping of it all, the Eagles are mostly healthy heading into this season, which is a very good thing. One injury that did pop up late last week is Jimmy is making a phone call. Who are you hey. calling? Seamus. Seamus, yeah. you're, you're on the podcast right now. Uh, <laughs> are you in my article still? Yeah. Is everything okay? Yeah, I need you to fix. I have Joey Bosa written instead of Nick. Instead of Nick. Did you fix that by any chance already? Uh, I'm doing it as we speak. Believe me, I've been there before with these two networks. And then uh, on my Bills-Rams pick, I don't see what it says, but apparently I said the Bills are going to win when my pick is clearly the Rams. Is that right? No, it seems you have like the spread listed for the Bills, but that's it. You just have that as the road team on there. You have the Rams logo and everything. Made it pretty clear you thought the Rams were going to win. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. See, these you readers, say, they don't... They uh... say, I'll ride the reigning champs trend and I'll take the points along with that. Yeah, okay. Seems, seems That's what I, I thought. Get, yeah, I didn't get that vibe in the slightest. Uh, like, not even like it was... Up in the air, it was very clear that you picked the Rams, but I fixed the Bosa thing. All right. Well, thanks, buddy. You were on the podcast. Okay. Have a good day. All right. Maybe my not, not my last time this week, so sounds good. <laughs> All right, man. See you. See, that's another thing, Brandon, that happens is somebody will say, you got the, you, you said something wrong in your article. And then I'm like panicked and I go back to my – don't do this to me, by the way, now that I'm revealing well, that this happens. Well, now everyone's going to do this. <laughs> like They'll be like, you have a mistake in such a part, spot in your article. And I'm all frantic getting back because I don't want to have an error, a glaring error in my article just sitting there for everyone to read. And then I'll go back and I'm like, there's nothing wrong with, with, with this here. And then uh, you know I had all this anxiety for nothing. I like how Seamus didn't react to, at first to being on the podcast. You're like, you're on the podcast. He just had like no reaction. He's like, yeah, this is normal. Also, for the listeners who cannot see this, this is audio format only, at least for now, uh, still. Uh, Jimmy's wearing glasses, which is a big deal because I never really see him wear glasses. But Jimmy, while you were busy with that, I said Andre Dillard. Uh, he went to injured reserve, suffered yes. an injury in practice late last week. I'm not sure if we covered that. I don't think we did. Um, so... What do you make of that? I guess who is the backup left tackle now? And yeah, well, um, anything else to come out of that? <clears throat> it'll be interesting. It's funny that um, this is like a, a reason for panic for <laughs> for some. I don't Eagles think anyone's fans, panicking. No, 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 no. Well, no, I've seen people like very concerned about who is going to be the left tackle should Jordan Mailata go down. Whereas, like most teams around the NFL 
have nothing at many spots along their offensive line, much less starting left tackle. just one. Um, I mean, we saw the Cowboys already. They had to sign Jason Peters <laughs> off the street a couple of days before the start <laughs> of the, the, the freaking season uh, because they lost Tyron Smith. So, um, yeah, I mean, the options, I guess, that they have on the roster would be LaRaven Clark maybe being called up from the practice squad. Obviously, they can't do that in game. Uh, but if my lotto were to get hurt, then you'd bring him up maybe for the next game. If it happens in game, I'm not sure what they do. Like the because Josh Sills will very likely be inactive on mm. game day. I would imagine. I don't know. So, and even if he weren't, I think he's the backup left tackle. <laughs> he might be if if Clark uh, isn't on the roster. Maybe uh, they're ramping up. Like ever since Dillard got hurt, maybe they're trying to get Jack Driscoll as ready as he can be at left tackle. We don't know this anymore because we don't like we're not allowed to practice. We get to watch them stretch and warm up and go through some individual drills and they kick us out. So we don't actually see like uh, 11 on 11s or or anything like that anymore. But maybe they're ramping him up to potentially also be a backup at left tackle in addition to his right guard, right tackle duties. And actually, I think that. He's probably their their primary backup tackle anyway because their primary backup guard at both spots, in my opinion, is Sua Opeta. Hmm. So they probably don't even have him focusing much at guard anymore anyway. So he's probably they may try to convert him into a swing tackle and he'll have a decent amount of time, I guess, to kind of get up to speed uh, at left tackle. Another option maybe would be to move lane over yeah. from and you wouldn't do this in game but uh, if you had some time between you know from one game to the next maybe move lane over from right tackle to left tackle of course you're potentially weakening two spots by doing that both left tackle and right tackle um lane used to rep at left tackle when he was the perceived right tackle of the of the uh present left tackle of the future, eventually taking over for Jason Peters whenever he was going to retire. And then they just scrapped that because he's an awesome right tackle and elite pass rushers rush off both sides these days. So right tackle, in my opinion, really isn't that much uh, less important than left tackle. Um, So just keep him there. Why not? Uh, But he could potentially move over, I guess. But for me, I think it's probably Driscoll, but Certainly Sills is an option, I guess. <laughs> like he's the guy that not one beat writer had on their, you know, initial 53 man roster projections. He makes the team uh, surprisingly. They've Coyote Awashika. I don't think he's an option at all uh, coming up from the practice squad. So yeah, it's either Clark Driscoll or uh, less likely move uh, from, from of lane from right tackle to left, from right tackle to left tackle. And Sills was the second team left tackle when, Mylotta and Dillard were missing time in training mm-hmm. camp, and, and then Clark was missing time at one point too. So, and also like, why keep him on the roster if you don't have some level of confidence in him playing that spot? You know what I mean? Like, I know they might probably probably like his developmental potential, but you have to have right. some level of confidence in him playing if he's going to be on the fifty-three. So, uh, and and two, I mean, I think I'm not hundred percent sure on this. But I think if they promote Clark to the roster, I'm not sure how this works with the practice squad. Like they might guarantee a salary if it's week one. So I don't know if they want to avoid doing that. At the same time, do you really want to cheap out on like that spot? Is that a spot to like cheap out? Like if you have to guarantee a salary, is that really the worst thing? If you're giving yourself like a better left tackle option for one week. Yeah. Um, so not the biggest deal in the world. They have options. And again, to your point, a lot of teams with worse, but certainly it's not ideal. And 
it sounds like Dillard will miss from four to six weeks by going on IR. He's automatically ineligible to play until week five, but we'll see if he comes back sooner or later um, with that timeline. And uh, again, you if you could sign up uh, at the beginning of training camp, okay, your most significant injury going into week one is going to be your backup left tackle. Obviously, you know, you take that every time you would, you would always sign up for that. Uh, moving forward on the injury front, Miles Sanders was a full participant in Wednesday's practice. He did, he returned to practice last week. It was the first time he was back in action since he last actually did anything, which was in the Jets preseason game, which is like a month ago now. Uh, so that's good news for the Eagles. Jason Kelsey wasn't even on the injury report right, after right. missing time with his elbow. So he's he's good to go as well. Not that I think anyone's really thought it was likely he would miss time, but still nice to see. And then Javon Hargrave, Derek Barnett, and Josiah Scott were all limited in practice. We'll see how they progress this week. The Barnett injury is new. That was not like something that was previously on our radar. Ribs for him, right? Yeah. They're, uh, Ribs. I, 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 I saw. I, I heard Bo Wolf speculate, like you That's know, probably jokingly, this. so that uh, <laughs> Dillard getting hurt, <laughs> the forearm injury, and then Barnett also getting hurt uh, at the same time. Uh, interesting timing. The other things we have practice squad, real quick. Uh, the most notable thing I would say: Anthony Harris is gone from the practice squad mm-hmm. earlier this week. Mutually decided to part ways. It sounded like between him uh, and the Eagles. What do you make of that? Yeah, I guess he figured he could sign somewhere before week one. Um, that hasn't happened as far as I know, right? No, um, not I yet. I followed that super closely since he's been gone. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the Eagles kind of could have their cake and eat it too by having him back on the practice squad as a third safety. And I think that, you know, we were sort of um, viewing that safety position as a uh, potential hole with him and Marcus Epps as the starters. We, I think most people feel a lot more comfortable with Marcus Epps and now Chauncey Gardner-Johnson as the uh, safety duo on the back end, even with, uh, you know, Gardner-Johnson maybe not having played a ton of traditional safety uh, in his time in New Orleans. Uh, still an upgrade over over Anthony Harris. I think most people w- would, would agree with that. Um, but it would still have been nice to, to have Anthony Harris because after those two guys, your backups are... Kayvon Wallace, who, hmm. what is he? Shouldn't then, have made the team, arguably. And then Reed Blankenship, who's an undrafted rookie free agent. And then Josiah Scott, of course, who, you know, moved to safety about midway through training camp. Um, the Eagles still list him as a cornerback and who's also hurt. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. I think the Eagles were better off with him on the practice squad than not, but he's sure. now gone. Um, again, sort of a marginal kind of starter in the NFL. Um, so not a huge deal, but uh, it was certainly probably more comfortable, comforting uh, to the team to just sort of have them there on the practice squad in case you needed them. Over under on Chauncey Gardner Johnson's, and I guess we should call him CJ Gardner Johnson. That's how he's officially listed. It's a, on the it's a, it's a lot to say. <laughs> CJG, <laughs> yeah. Or it's, his, his really. full name is kind of a lot to say when you're rolling. You know what I mean? Remember, I, I could never say what's his name, right? The other slot corner that the Eagles had, formerly of the Rams, um, uh, Nicole Roby Coleman. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can never say that. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how early it takes me to screw this one up. CJGJ is the uh, acronym that we can use. I don't okay. think the tech, right term is actually acronym. I think there's a different name for it. Anyway, how many over under on his snaps in week, snap percentage, I will say, mm. in week one? I'm going to set it at 69.5. 
I'm going to go over. Hmm. Um, safeties in the Eagles defense typically play 100% of the snaps. Um, except last year when That's not uh, true. Rodney, yeah. well, Rodney McLeod, you know, lost. No, it's true. Like when, when they well, have two, t- two definitive starters, they don't come hmm. off the field. Last year, as the season progressed, Rodney came off the field quite a bit and Marcus Epps came onto yeah. the field. So, uh, but when they have a definitive starter that two definitive starters that they like, that guy doesn't leave the field. But there's no I way he plays a ch- like a hundred. I think there's a chance. He, I think there's a chance he plays every snap. Wow. I mean, he's I mean, just joined the that, team. I, I, I know, but they, who else are you going to play at safety? I mean, they could. You going to play uh, Kevon Wallace at safety? I mean, I wouldn't. They might. <laughs> they would before I would. Um, I think he's had enough time to, okay. to get to a point where he can at least be playable. I think there's a, I think there's a chance he plays every snap. Okay. So I'll go I don't I don't know that I believe that, but uh believe that he will play every snap, but I think he's going to play at least 70% of the snaps. So would you take the over if I said 92.5%? <laughs> I guess so. Yes. Yeah, okay. I think it's more yeah, I I would say it's more likely than not that he plays you know, almost all the snaps. All right. Elsewhere on the practice squad, really quick, the Eagles added Auden Tate, a very tall, relatively short to me, shorter than me. So kind of short, but tall to most people, uh, wide receiver, former Bengals draft pick. He's like, what? Almost six, six. Um, he's, he's big. That's uh, about he, he thirty, I think. Yes. He has some NFL production. He has like what? 600 career yards or so. He had one season in 2019 where he had, I, I think, I believe it was 40 catches for 500 something yards and one touchdown. That was his best year. It came on 80 targets, mm. so he Not only efficient. caught 50% of the uh, targets that came as well. And the Bengals were terrible, um, right? Most of those years that he was there. So I mean, they they only got good last year, of course. Um, I wonder if he's they, the Eagles listed him as a wide receiver. I wonder yeah. if they'll sort of view him as a Hakeem Butler like right you know uh tight end project um mixed success from the Eagles on that front uh that did not go well I think Tyree Jackson was going well until he tore his AC or actually until he got hurt in straight practices against the yeah. Patriots um so I don't know uh who cares it's you know it's a it's a deep uh practice squad uh acquisition Dalton Keene is actually a, a, an interesting player he was a third round pick just a couple of years ago with the Patriots. They actually took two tight ends in the third round that year. He was the second of the two. I think the other guy was Devin Asi Asi. And I actually talked to Keen yesterday in the locker room. It was a little embarrassing. I was like, yeah, when they drafted you, didn't hadn't they already signed Hunter Henry and Johnu Smith to oh, like yeah, big you're deals? Off by a year. And he goes, No, no. <laughs> that was the next year. Which which kind of meant like the the Patriots didn't like what they were seeing out of their right. young tight ends. <laughs> well, it's so interesting I was, too. It's like, oops, sorry, Dalton. Because uh, he uh, the book on him coming out was he wasn't necessarily just a traditional tight end as like fullback H back kind of guy. So I don't know. If I profiled were. that guy during okay. the uh, during his life. he played for Virginia Tech. They used him all. They, he lined up all over the formation. They didn't use him as much as they probably should have. Like if you look at his. Uh, Spider chart. He's got athleticism, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he can catch. He can run through through tackles and such. Um, and for whatever reason, it just didn't work in in New England. He only had five targets over two years. He missed the entire season yeah, last he got year hurt multiple times. But in twenty twenty, he had five targets, 
three catches, something like 16 yards, I think. Um, so a bust for them. I mean, let's call it what it is. Um, a bust for them. And, and now he's with, now he's on the Eagles practice squad. So it is a guy with some talent. Uh, interesting enough player to to just take a flyer on, I think. Yeah, I think he's only 23-year-old still. So he's, you know, fairly young. I thought uh, he reminded me a little bit of like a Trey Burton type of player when, uh, okay. when he was coming out, but just didn't pan out. Do you have any thoughts? So moving off of all the news, moving into like any thoughts on any of the things that came out of any of the press conferences this week? Obviously, we heard from Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, Jonathan Gannon, Jason Kelsey made headlines on Wednesday with his quote, uh, multiple quotes, but like, uh, quote, I think comfort is a, I like effing terrible place to be if you're in this league (laughs) and also talked about, um, what do you say? Like expectations are effing nothing. And then Jalen Hurts had his own take on expectations, which are expectations are just something you haven't done yet. Do you have any thoughts on any of this or the vibe of the team in general? No, I think that they have the right attitude, both of them. Uh, in their responses to those questions. And um, Jason Kelsey's done it. He's been through it before. He's won a championship. He knows what it takes. I think, you know, they still have a small handful of players from the Super Bowl team that can, you know, kind of let these young whippersnappers how it, how, what it is, you know, how it, how it works uh, in the NFL. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if there's maybe a vibe that Jason Kelsey felt was in the locker room that he wanted to sort of squash by the, by those comments um, that they haven't done anything yet and that they, you know, need to focus. And, and, uh, and this is all just speculation on my part. I don't know, but it seemed like uh, he wanted to get that messaging out. Um, so if so, I think it was <laughs> pretty loud uh, the, the way that he went about doing it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's right. Like in the NFL, if you start, if you start to get comfortable with, um, you know, your, the way you perceive your, your team is, or the way that you perceive the way that you're playing. And he's been through this before. Like he had early success in his career. And then he had a couple of seasons around like 2015, 2016, where his play dropped off. And he sort of, um, you know, has, has said that he started to feel comfortable uh, where he was in the NFL and maybe didn't work as hard as he should have. Uh, in those couple of seasons and it was a wake-up call and then he became the all-pro player uh, that he is now so uh, he's been through it understands how the league works and I think that was a pointed message maybe to uh, the rest of the locker room that they haven't done anything yet like they Howie Roster Howie Howie Roster Howie Roseman (laughs) has assembled an impressive roster and the expectations for this team are high and I think he can see that from the outside and and you don't want that bleeding into the locker room. You don't want you don't want to be smelling yourself too much heading into the season before you've done literally nothing. So I, I think that was sort of the message that he was trying to convey uh, through the media, but to his teammates in the locker room. I agree with all that. I also will bring up that you know Kelsey also pointed out earlier in training camp that any time that they were supposed to be good weren't as good in reverse, which we've, yep. that's been talked about a lot, which is another good thing to point out. And it's good to be, I think, aware of those things to the extent of safeguarding against them. So having a team leader say that, and hopefully that being the internal messaging as well, like, look, don't, you know, everyone's picking us to win the Super Bowl. Don't, don't buy into that. You know, like we haven't proven anything. We have to go out and we have to earn it. So uh, I think it is good to be aware of that. And I, I would say in general, uh, the vibes are good about this team. I don't see anything that's like that does indicate a little too big for their britches. I mean, there was the Miles Sanders comment earlier this offseason, but I don't really think that's been 
the messaging on the whole is about, oh, look at us. Look how great we are. We're just going to roll and it's going to be, mm-hmm. uh, it's a cakewalk to the NFC's title. I don't think there's anything like that. Of course, we will see how it actually goes on the field. Confidence is good too, by the way. Like it's it's fine to be heading into the season thinking, it's it's good to head into any game individually and think you're going to win the game. That's fine. Like you want to kind of have that attitude, but um, it can't get in the way of focus and you know, working hard and whatnot. It's a fine line, like anything, yeah. like a lot of things. Doug Peterson liked that, to say that a lot, in general. He, he, he liked that phrase. He loved, he loved it's a fine line. <laughs> but Doug was right, because it often is. Uh, Jimmy, why don't we actually take a break here, because okay. we're running a little bit long in our first segment, and we'll, we'll get into all of the Eagles-Lions matchups in the second segment. But before we go to break, you already know what I'm going to say. Go to righttosellin.com. Use discount code BGN20 for 20% off your order. The season is here. It's the perfect time to get your snacks to stock up. And what better way to do it than going to RighteousFelon.com and using discount code BGN20 for 20% off again. That offer is going to expire at the end of this month. It's going to go back down to BGN15. So if you're ever going to get Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, the time is obviously now because you're saving that extra 5% that you will not be able to save at a later time. So do that now, right to selling.com, discount code BGN20, 20% off. Jimmy. Back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're back here on BGN Radio. There have been some calls, Jimmy, you know, for us to do more video stuff. And and I agree. We need to do it. I need to get on it. Yeah. Oh, you, you know, like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're working on it. Uh, is it happening overnight? It's not going to happen overnight, um, especially because we're not going to do a podcast tomorrow. So it's quite literally not going to happen overnight. But we're working on it. Anyway, Jimmy. Let's get to the real meat of the episode, if you will. I mean, I already addressed Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, but the real meat <laughs> of the episode, in addition to that, is the matchups of this game for those who, I guess, mm-hmm. are new. Because there are some new listeners. Yeah, I think it's one thing to assume that like everyone just listens to the podcast every week at all the times and no pe- new people are jumping in. Each week, we're going to go through the matchups. Jimmy writes a matchup column for phillyvoice.com. So we'll discuss some of those here in greater detail. I'll give my takes on them. But why don't we start with the Eagles offense versus the Lions defense? What is the key matchup in that regard? Well, I mean, we saw the Eagles destroy the Lions last year 
44 to six and they did it on the ground. They gained 236 yards on the ground against them last year. It almost felt like in the second half of that game, I guess, you know, more specifically the fourth quarter, <laughs> they're actually, you know, just trying to run out the clock and, uh, you know, trying not to run up the score on this team. <laughs> it felt like they were doing the Lions more of a disservice by continuing to run the ball because the Lions couldn't stop it. Um, so, you know, the Eagles, of course, as we know, they are the no- they are the reigning number one rushing offense in the NFL heading into the season. Now, we all perceive that they're going to pass it more this year than they did last year. Uh, but when you look at this Lions team, they finished fifth worst uh, in the NFL in terms of rush defense a season ago. And while I agree that they should be passing the ball more this year with the added weaponry that they have in A.J. Brown and Zach Paschal and, um, you know, uh, Devontae Smith being in his second year and Quez Watkins being in his third year and uh, Jalen Hurts uh, improving as a passer, in my opinion, from year two to year three. You know, maybe you just kind of lean on the rushing attack in this one and get your sea legs, so to speak, as you head into the 2022 season. Uh, a lot was made of the, a lot will be made, of course, if the Eagles, if the Eagles lose this game to the Lions, a lot will be made. I mean, the the complaining will be very loud about the Eagles, you know, uh, training camp in which they had short practices, uh, not very physical practices, rested starters during the preseason, where conversely, we saw in hard knocks, the Lions went hard in practice. Uh, they tackled, they, you know, played starters. Uh, in the preseason games, even in the final preseason game, starters, play, starters with the exception of Jared Goff, played, I think, the entire first half uh, of that game. So it's a contrast in styles in, in terms of getting ready for the season. And I think the Eagles run game is tried and true. And if I think it makes a lot of sense for them to rely on that week one um, just to kind of, like I said, get their sea legs, but also because you're so dominant in that area against this very team. Uh, and, you know, seasons are different from year to year. Um, you know, teams have different players from year to year. But for the most part, the Eagles just crushed this team on the ground last year. So it wouldn't be the worst the idea Lions to go back to that. The finished with the second worst run defense by DVOA, by Football Outsiders, in 2021. Okay. So certainly not an area of strength for them. Obviously, they've been able to, you know, make changes. And I think they're, they are banged up, which might speak to the more physical camp they have. Uh, but yeah. they certainly, they were like, not only were the Lions really bad last year, but they were also decimated by injuries. Like they had a lot of injury issues during the season specifically. So, um, that was an issue for them. They're obviously healthier now than they were at that point last year, even with the injuries they have heading into the season. They also have Aiden Hutchinson now, which is a pretty big deal. Like he's a really good player. Um, I think yeah. uh, Alim McNeil, who the Eagles, or at least Tom Donahoe wanted, I think the Eagles to take <laughs> instead of. Mm-hmm. Milton Williams. Uh, Williams. He's, he's like a standout guy and has been getting hype there in Detroit. Uh, Michael Brockers has been around for a long time, a solid player. And then Charles Harris, who I thought the Eagles might be interested in signing, or they were linked to drafting at number 14. Uh, once upon a time in the 2017 NFL draft, people will remember that longtime listeners and readers of BGN. Um, there was worry that they were going to do that. So they have a decent starting uh, defensive line there, not like any all pro players by any means. Maybe Aiden Hutchinson will be one day. Um, 
but the linebackers aren't that great behind them. So yeah, I mean, I think you should be able. And then, and even if the Eagles are facing a, a great defensive line, you like their chances on the offensive line of being able to run the football. I think maybe you disagree. I think it's fair to say the Eagles have a better run blocking offensive line than pass blocking offensive line. Not to say it's like a right, bad yeah, pass. Sure. I'm just saying, like, I think the, the the they're I think they're like the best run blocking offensive line in the NFL, where they might only be like Kelsey is elite yes. as, as a run blocker. And what what he can do getting on getting out to the edge in the second level. Landon Dickerson better. Is, for sure yes. is a much better run blocker than he is a pass protector. And Jordan Mailata mm-hmm. is a mauler uh in the run game on the left side. He's fine in pass protection too, but I think he is another example of a guy who's better in as a run blocker and a pass blocker. Lane is great at both. Sam is probably a better hmm. pass protector than he is a run blocker. But just just across the board, it's I mean, they're four of the five guys are outstanding run blockers. Uh, looking at last year, by the way, do you remember how many pass attempts Jalen Hurts uh, had against the Lions? I think it was 16. He was 11 to 16. He didn't throw the ball 14 9 to 14, okay. That's ridiculous. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so I do think the running game will be available to them. And that's the big question about this year in general, right? Like, what's that balance Mm going to look like? Because it has to come up from where it was last year when they threw the ball at a lower percentage than any other team in the NFL. But at the same time, it's hard to imagine you're jumping straight from that to, okay, now you're like, top two, top three passing offense in terms of uh, volume and attempts. So, uh, yes, I think leaning on the run makes sense, but uh, you also have too many good passing weapons here. And also, who is stopping them? Like, who is who's matching up with A.J. Brown right now? I mean, like, people like Jeff Akuda, but, like, is he really – is he, like, mm-hmm. actually good? Uh, Amani Warrior as well, like, has potential. These are like, young guys, I think, who could be nice corners in the league. But, like, are you really, like, wow, it's a lockdown mm-hmm. guy? And even – even if they were, again, to my point about like, the Eagles' offensive line against better defensive lines, I mean, A.J. Brown had some pretty good cornerbacks covering him in training camp and Darius Slay and James Bradbury. And Bradbury won some mm-hmm. reps and I thought did a respectable job relative to how people cover A.J. Brown. But at the end of the day, it's A.J. Brown and he was dominating and no one really could stop him. So yeah. I don't really care um, who they're throwing at him. And also Dallas Goddard. Like, who, who's matching up on Dallas Goddard? Like, who's going to stop him? So uh, I really don't have a lot of concerns uh, when it comes to like the Lions having great answers for what the Eagles can do in offense just from a talent standpoint. Um, people like uh, their defensive coordinator, whose name I'm blanking on right now, uh, formerly of the Saints. Yes, Aaron, uh, Aaron Glenn. And, uh, you know, I, I think can can they not get blown out? Absolutely. I believe the Lions can keep this game respectable, but I don't at the end of the day um are you, are you shutting this Eagles offense down like what do you point to I, I don't think you can point to anything that says that so um in watching did you watch hard knocks no I it never works out because training camp is so busy and I just like the time the timing never works yeah. out for me well I mean you can watch it on yeah but I'm <laughs> saying like there's I, Jimmy I have just so much going on like I I'm I'm behind on Game of yeah, Thrones I, gotcha. I don't want to watch Game of Thrones like I'm, yeah. I'm behind on my tv <laughs> okay. show watching so a big uh, theme during uh, Nick Sirianni's press conference on Wednesday was, do you have people watching Hard Knocks to try to take away competitive advantages by by taking a look? And I don't know how much there is to be um, gleaned from watching Hard Knocks, but when I was watching it, the one thing that stood out to me is that their <laughs> linebackers suck. And you know how I know? 
because their linebackers coach said so. <laughs> so like, like he, Kel, their linebackers coach is Kelvin Shepard. And an there's Eagle one point no. where I'm thinking uh, of someone else. Anyway, I don't know. Continue. But you're right that he he is a former player. Um, it, there's a they're having a linebackers meeting, and actually it's sort of like a, a recent. He's like a younger coach, he's, so he's a recent player in the NFL. But he's having a linebackers meeting, and one of the players that they featured heavily in the show is a six-round rookie named Malcolm Gonzalez. Um, or, I'm sorry, Malcolm Rodriguez. They call him Rodrigo in the show. So, Kelvin Shepard is praising Rodrigo up and down for being everywhere he needs to be and putting pressure on the starters, uh, possibly taking their starting jobs away from them. He's basically um, using uh, this forum of of say you know saying how great Rodrigo is uh throughout training camp being the best performing linebacker in camp basically to put down the other linebackers or you know light a fire under them to be like yo dudes like this guy's gonna take your job so like <laughs> my takeaway on that was yeah the Lions starting linebackers suck and none of them are gonna be able to cover like Rodrigo th- th- that actual guy he's like 5'11 like that guy's not covering Dallas Goddard and then the other guys are are Alex Anzalone Chris Ford. um uh, Chris Board and then Derek Barnes, uh, Anzalone, and the other guy Barnes is the other starter. Those guys aren't covering Dallas Goddard. Like if they don't have a safety on Goddard, then uh, like I don't I don't know how those guys are going to be able to cover him. And then if you put a safety on Goddard, what kind of help are you going to be able to give the corners against Devontae Smith and AJ Brown and whatever combination of Quez Watkins and Zach Pascal we see in this game? So I do think that their back seven it has the potential to be overwhelmed uh, in this game by the Eagles. You know, their their um, their you know sort of impressive uh, group of pass catchers that they have now. And for me, it starts with that linebacking group who is just not going to be very helpful in coverage. Yeah, in my I opinion. agree with that. And uh, a little interesting that Howie Roseman went on WIP this week. He was actually asked a question about AJ Brown. And he threw out unprompted mm-hmm. during that answer that like he thinks people are sleeping on Dallas Goddard. Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone thinks Dallas Goddard is bad by any means, but I, I guess he thinks for some reason that he's not getting quite the respect that he deserves. So, um, you know, it's funny that Howie says he never reads right. anything, but yet people are sleeping on. Certain I do know <laughs> that Howie Roseman uh, maybe he doesn't. I don't know that he directly reads things, but I think I'm very confident in that people send him things and he is aware of things. I mean, and that's oh, for be sure. a surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a shock. It's not like a big revelation, but <laughs> yeah, I, he cannot claim he's not aware of things. Uh, all right. So that was the offense versus the defense. Let's flip now to the defense versus the offense. Eagles defense is an interesting unit in that they added all this talent, but like at the end of the day, do you, where's your confidence level in Jonathan Gannon? And it's actually decently high when it comes to playing against teams with quarterbacks who aren't great. And I think Jared Goff is certainly mm-hmm. in that bucket. And also, sure. um, if yes, handled him last year, and if the Lions easily. had uh, Jamison Williams, I'd be feeling a little bit ner- more nervous about this matchup. But they don't. Uh, he's starting mm-hmm. the season on the pup list or the NFI, whatever. Uh, and more specifically, a big point of concern for the lions is their offensive line because they're missing former eagles super bowl starting left tackle halapuli vati vitai big v uh who would normally be normally be playing at right guard he went to ir in part perhaps because the lions have had a physical camp 
and Tommy Kramer would logically be in line to start because he was the second team right guard mm-hmm. in training camp for the Lions. But he was out on Wednesday. He did not practice. And looking at our friends over at Pride of Detroit, their analysis of the analysis of the Lions injury report, uh, it sounds like he might not play either. So the Lions are kind of scrambling there a little bit to kind of find uh, their best option at right guard. And, and that might involve switching uh, some other players around. I think Dan Campbell mentioned that they could potentially move Frank Ragnow, who was limited in practice, by the way. I'm expecting he'll play, but it seems like he mm-hmm. might not be at 100% either. So that's not really a great situation to be in where you're missing a starting offensive line. Wait, and... moving Frank Ragnow? Yeah, to like, right I, I don't know. I don't know that that's really? likely, but like... And then what, Logan Stenberg potentially. would play center? So I, I think it's going to be Stenberg at right guard. I was on a uh, the part of Detroit's... Uh, podcast last night and they said they, they think that's the most likely option but the point here is like lines are dealing with offensive line issues they're switching guys around that does not seem like a recipe for success so in my opinion the lions offensive line is probably the best thing about their team it's a like a it's a decent offensive line um but yeah they had that problem at right guard potentially uh maybe their seventh or eighth offensive lineman is gonna have to start in this game and from the eagles perspective they have a S ton of resources put into the interior of their defensive line. Fletcher Cox is signed for one year for 14 million. Javon Hargrave, big contract, probably going to be restructured soon. I would imagine um, Milton Williams, third round pick Jordan Davis traded up for him in the first round. Um, and then Marlon Tui Pelo too. So, um, and Brandon Graham, you, if we want to throw him in is, is, you know, maybe going to have zone. a more of a presence on the interior this year. Um, so, I mean, this is a game where that group needs to dominate the line of scrimmage, control the line of scrimmage and you know, basically stop the run without a lot of help from the, you know, the back end, um, and get after the passer, uh, ideally, uh, in, in this matchup. So yeah, the, the Lions interior would normally be pretty good anchored, as you noted by Frank Ragnow, all pro, I think he was in 2020, not last second year, team, but, but second I team think. all pro in 2020. So, and, and a pro bowl player too that year. So mm-hmm. very good player. But you know, if, if you're, if you're starting your, your second backup option at one of your, uh, starting spots along the offensive line in week one. That's not ideal. And uh, the Eagles have to capitalize on that. So I was doing that pride of deport Detroit preview show with the guys. And they were asking me about like, you know, different matchups, the lines, what concerns me. And it kind of, it kind of came down to like, I'm not really that concerned because I, I believe in the talent. But then again, going back to the Gannon of it all, that's like the interesting wrinkle that feels like it can undo the talent, right? That's the issue. It feels like, the talent is what it is, and you feel good about that. But last year, we saw Jonathan Gannett do less with talent. Like He did not, by any means, maximize mm-hmm. the talent. And I think they underperformed. Um, at best, you can argue they played at their level. I think that's the very best thing you could say I will, that I will allow, which I don't agree with, but I will. Like, that's the furthest I will go with that. There's no, you cannot argue by any means that they overachieved in any great way at all. Um, so, And the one thing I do have confidence about in Gannon with when it comes when it comes to him is his ability to not lose to bad quarterbacks because the style of defense they play um works against those guys and golf fits in that category so um any big matchup here I guess besides the offensive line I do have one but quick some breaking news I actually just mentioned a minute ago 
J- Javon Hargrave potential um, restructure. Yeah. No. Sign him. They restructured oh. the contracts of Lane Johnson, converted a little under $6 million of his base salary, uh, and Jake Elliott converted a little mm. bit under $3 million of his salary uh, into signing bonuses, creating just under $7 million in 2022 cap space. That was in, that, they, those were moves that they sort of needed to, to make. We won't get into won't go down the nerd but, rabbit hole on that one, but uh, well, this quickly on that isn't it weird that they still haven't done hard? It is weird. Like, so that, that, yeah, that's the takeaway. So it is he was his contract was the one that was ripe for restructuring. So interesting that they or didn't. an extension, right? Also true. I mean, maybe they feel like Milton Williams and Jordan Davis are the future at the interior of their defensive line, and they'll maybe add to that group further in 2023 with another young player. And then it's, you know, Cox and Hargrave could maybe be on their way out. Maybe. Uh, Cause he is a free agent at the end of the year. Right. I mean, they, they still yes. owe him um, that he still has a lot of <laughs> like, the Eagles are still liable for a lot of cap. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Whatever. That's yeah, good enough. <laughs> like he's still going to count against their cap in future years, whether he's on the team or not. Cause they kicked the can down the road a few times with him, or I guess once already with him. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting, uh, it's interesting that they converted Lane and Elliot, but not Hargrave. Hmm. All right. So you said you had one more yes. Eagles defense. So their best player, maybe um, on offense, in terms of their skill positions is their slot receiver, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown from USC, yeah. who as a rookie last year, he had 90 catches. Uh, I think it was on 119 targets, which means that uh, when Lions quarterbacks threw his way, they completed over 75% of their passes. And he also led the Lions in third downs, third down convert, uh, you know, or for, for, sorry, not third downs. He led the Lions in first downs last year with 48 of them. Uh, I think the next closest player was Hawkinson, uh, the tight end, who had a little bit over 30. I want to say like 31 or 32 or something like that. So uh, he's their go-to guy in these high leverage third down situations. And I'm curious to see how the Eagles match up with him, whether it's with Avante Maddox or when they go man anyway, whether it's with Avante Maddox or whether it's with CJ GJ. I gotta, I gotta get better of having that rolling off the tongue, uh, but they have now two very capable uh, slot corners. Avante potentially handling more of the speedy guys, and uh, mm-hmm. CJ GJ uh, potentially matching up against some of the you know more physical uh, slot receivers in the NFL. I don't, I'm not sure which bucket I put St. Brown into. He's a good route runner, doesn't drop passes, um, isn't super gifted. Uh, athletically in terms of speed or whatever. Uh, if you saw Hard Knocks, you know that his father was like a former Mr. Universe or something like that. <laughs> and like he and his, he and his, uh, 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 Amon Ross St. Brown's brother is Equinemius St. Brown of, who's he play for now? He's on the Packers the Bears? now? Or wait, no, he wasn't. He was on, a, yeah, he was on the Packers and, or I forget. Yeah, I think he's I mean, on the, I think you're right. The St. Brown brothers are beasts in the weight room, as they showed uh, on Hard Knocks, because their father is a 
one of the biggest yeah. beasts in the world uh, in the weight room. Uh, so he is theoretically a, uh, you know, phys- I, I haven't watched a lot of Amon Brown. I Brown can't, you know, can't speak. Can't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a fraud in that way, but I would imagine being a beast in the weight room like he is, I imagine he is a uh, a physical player at the top of the route. So maybe we'll see CJGJ uh, match up with him. Uh, certainly uh, Avante Maddox is a guy who can stick with him in terms of his speed. He's not a big guy, so it's not like Avante Maddox is at, is at a disadvantage that way. Avante Maddox being 5'9", I think St. Brown is like 5'11", or 6 foot, So, you know, not a big advantage there. But he's their guy that, that they're going to go to in these high-leverage third-down situations. And the Lions as a team, um, they seem like the kind of team that wants to stay on schedule. You know, make sure they're not getting into a lot of third and longs because that's not going to go well for a quarterback like Jared Goff. And uh, they're going to need to convert uh, some of these, you know, third and short, uh, third and medium type of uh, type of plays. And, and he's going to be their guy that they go to. So that's a big matchup between him and either Avante Maddox or CJ GJ. Let's quickly last touch on Eagle special teams, which yep. the big question there is, or questions, multiple plural, is who is returning punts for the Eagles? Who is returning kicks? The Eagles put out their... PR issued depth chart as they're required to this week. And Quez Watkins, I believe, was listed as the returner for both. Uh, he did return kicks or was lining up in training camp in that regard. And you also asked him, I believe, if he will be returning kicks, right? I did. And he said he should be. Hmm. Uh, and then until Elliot asked him, Elliot said, told me he asked him like 15, 20 minutes later, same question. And uh, he said, we'll see. <laughs> so I don't know if Quez got a talking to uh, in between when he told me that and I tweeted it. And then when Elliot asked him and he got a, you know, a, a less, uh, a less, you know, definitive answer. <laughs> so um, I'm pretty sure they'll probably call up Britton Covey to return punts. Uh, he could also very well return kicks too, for all we know. Um but uh, yeah, I would imagine that's a concern of mine. Calling up a, a rookie, sure. an undrafted rookie free agent to handle your punt return duties. We all remember the game against the Packers back in the day, where Greg Lewis had a had a muff punt. Um, I believe they then went to J.R. Reed to return punts when he hadn't done it. He was more of just a kick returner throughout college, and they lost a the game partly because of that. Um, so yeah, they're putting they're putting some pressure. Uh, on the young kid right off the bat, if indeed he does return punts. And then did you have anything more on the returners before I flip to the other side of special teams? The Eagles obsession with like, you know, uh, espionage, like the idea that <laughs> yeah. they're going to be able to uh, competitive advantage, competitive advantage. Like I understand. Uh, I understand the mindset of, we don't want to just give a lot of information away, but like, come on. Like we know who the returner is going to be. And also, if you're obsessing this much about competitive advantage and then you lose to the Lions, you look kind of silly. You're like, oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, well, that really helped us a ton, you know, being secretive about everything. So not that I think they're they're going to lose necessarily. We'll get into that. But the Lions can um, look at their roster and see who's returned kicks in the in the past. Right. Like, why is this? They, they can do and the same thing that, at, that we're doing. You know? Yeah. Beat reporter <laughs> tweets. And yeah, it's very they're a little too focused on it. So on the other side of the ball, my concern is Sipos hitting a low liner and giving Khalif Raymond a chance mm. uh, at a return. Uh, among punt returners with at least 20 returns in 2021, Raymond was fourth in the NFL 
uh, in punt return average. I don't remember the exact number, but I want to say it was in the ballpark of like 11.2 yards per return, which is pretty good from a punt returner perspective. And uh, actually had a had a decent return against the Eagles in that game last year. <sighs> you don't want to have a special teams play wreck a game where you are just far more talented <laughs> and like against like a scrappy young team like the Lions. You do not want to have a special teams play turn that game. We saw in 2019. The uh, the game where J.J. Ortega-Whiteside had a drop pass at the end of that game but that they would have won otherwise. In that game, the Eagles gave up a 100-yard kick return to the Lions. I want to say it was Jamal Agnew uh, in that game. Had they not gotten that kick return for a touchdown, they may not need that J.J. Ortega-Whiteside you know, drop touchdown for the win. Um, so that's another example of, of an Eagles team that was definitely way more talented than that Lions team. And, uh, it's a, it's an example of a special teams play that went badly and they probably lost as a result. So, uh, special teams are, are a very, and always in week one, really, um, you kind of find out where teams, you know, may or may not have prepared well enough, uh, for the season. I, I, I wouldn't put anything on Michael Clay so much if things go wrong in this game, but you and I can attest to the Eagles did not work on special teams that much uh, during the, during the, um, uh, during training camp. Now, I don't know if that's changed uh, in the lead up to the regular season as they got closer, as they're getting closer to the regular season. Uh, Maybe they're working on it more now than they did during training camp. Uh, but we barely saw Aaron Sipos punt at all throughout training camp. We barely saw Jake Elliott kick field goals at all throughout training camp. Uh, and at, uh, and you made one in the preseason games too. And then uh, you know, as as a and then you know, in addition to that, we didn't see them do much in terms of kick and punt return coverage or kick and punt coverage rather. So I don't know. And special teams are a concern of mine <laughs> heading into week one. Uh, it's, it's certainly possible that, that the Lions could, could uh, you know, get a, get a big play there and turn the game. All right. So we'll take another break here before we get into our weekly picks, but not before we hear quickly about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and also RoachRealtors.com. Jimmy, she's licensed in New Jersey, correct? In New Jersey, correct. Yeah. But if you're looking to buy a house, let's say in you know Delaware or maybe New York or Pennsylvania, you can also contact her. Maybe she can of refer you to some people. So she knows uh, she's very well. She's worked with a lot of realtors that, you know, a lot of PA Delaware realtors who also have licenses in New Jersey. Uh, very aware of who is, who has, who knows their shit. It's <laughs> like the, the easy way to put it. Um, but yes, she can refer you to somebody who's very good, of course. Um, but uh, her phone number is 856 906-9295 if you're looking to buy or sell your home. Call her. She was rated by God, as we've said on the podcast many, many times, as the best realtor in the history of the universe. 856-906-9295. Brandon, back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. 856-906-9295. 9295. 
back here on BGN Radio. Jimmy, it's the most exciting time of the year. It's time for the picks, and there's a new special twist this year, Jimmy. Before we actually get into our picks proper, we're going to be talking about the weekly leading Green Nation same-game parlay available on DraftKings Sportsbook, our, our good friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. So every week this season, Jimmy, we'll be cooking up our own same-game parlay. That I will, too, or friends, just you? Me, I, specifically, I will be putting okay. it together. But if you want to, if you want to like well, add I'll a pass specific on week thing, one because I haven't given it any thought. But Right, and it's, it's as new. It's already established. I've already submitted it. We're going to talk about it now. But... Uh, in future weeks, if you want to send me, you know, uh, a suggestion or idea, you have, or if the listeners want to maybe suggest something, uh, which they can do, you know, an Apple podcast or t- tweet at me, whatever, um, preferably Apple podcast would be a good place. Then, you know, I'll take it into consideration. I'll think about it. Maybe we can add it in there. Obviously, DraftKings ultimately it gets the uh, final say on it. So it's up to them at the end of the day, uh, but it will be right on their homepage for all of you. That's right. The loyal BGN radio listeners of Bleeding Green Nation readers to follow. This is the parlay for this week, Jimmy. Eagles minus three and a half. They're only three and a half now? Over in this oh, parlay okay. specifically. Right. We will get to the specific lines later, but for this specific parlay, mind you. Uh, so in this parlay, Eagles minus three and a half. Nice. The over on 69 and a half yards for A.J. Brown. And then Dallas Goddard, anytime touchdown scorer, that's plus 700. Do you think that parlay will hit? Uh, so all three have to happen. Uh, Dallas Goddard score. Yes. AJ Brown over 70 yards over 69. Um, yeah. 70 or, and or more Eagles by and three, Eagles and, three a and a half. No, I don't think all three of them are going to hit, but that's, that's sort of, I mean, wow. but that's, but I mean, that's the point of the parlay. <laughs> I get that. That's why it's plus right. 700. But do I think it has a decent chance mm-hmm. of all three of those things happening? Sure. Dallas Goddard, as mentioned already, um, going against these crappy linebackers that the Lions told us they have. Uh, A.J. Brown certainly targeted heavily throughout the entirety of training camp. Wouldn't be a surprise to me in any way to see Jalen Hurts target him heavily in week one. And certainly they wasn't beat this team by th- more than three and a half points. So, yeah, all, all three of those right. three things individually, I think, are going to happen. Yeah, but uh, it's hard to get all three of those things to happen, hence the point of the parlay. Which, exactly. That's the point. It's obviously supposed to be somewhat realistic, yeah. not impossible, but it's also supposed to not be like, oh, yeah, that like obviously all is going to happen. So I think that's a good bet for seven, parlay. seven to one odds. Sure. I uh, And I did it because, obviously, it's the Eagles' first game. We want to see if they win. And then I did the over on A.J. Brown because there's a lot of hype, and he's really going to be exciting to see him, and I think he could have a big game out of the gate. And then I went with Howie Roseman talking about how Dallas Goddard is kind of being underrated, so I put him in there as the anytime touchdown scorer. So that's the week one. We'll change these throughout the season. I can't wait to do, like, Washington and put, like, the under <laughs> on Carson Wentz uh, yards or whatever. So we'll – We'll, we'll get, we'll have, yeah, we'll have some fun. What did he, what did he uh, with do? Did he get with season. your girlfriend or something, Brandon? <laughs> be sure to check out our Twitter at Bleeding Green, where there will be a link to this bet for you to check out. Each week, DraftKings has new offers and great ways to make your Sunday more fun. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Okay, so that's the same game parlay. Now it's time to get into our. Picks against the spread. These odds also come from DraftKings Sportsbook. We're going to start with the uh, Eagles draft pick. Uh, sh- how do you say this word? Shaden? 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 Sh- uh, how do you say Schadenfreude? it? You know, 
Yeah, that. I Sh- can never see that word. I think In my mind, looking at it, I know, and I know it doesn't, I, I, I say schadenfraud in my mind because it looks like that, but I know it's not that. But anyway, you, you get the point. Rooting against the Saints. The Saints are five and a half point favorites at the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to keep track of this, obviously, because the Eagles own the Saints first round pick in 2023. Uh, who I do you have the Saints one? covering their five and a half uh, spread. Not because I think the Saints are all that good, but I think the Lions, or not Lions, I think the Falcons are potentially the worst team in the NFL. I think it's, for me, it's them. And it's, for some good reason, like the, I feel like the Texans are getting uh, some odd hype. I looked at their mm. roster in making my picks. They have nothing. <laughs> like, I mean, nothing. So maybe some young players, I guess, who, but haven't done anything yet. All Whatever. right, get off of the Texans to me. This is... <laughs> Get off of the Texans. Get off of the anyway, Texans. Those Get are my two like, most likely number one pick in 2023. Like Those are my two teams. So Falcons are very bad. They, they have Kyle Pitts, and then they have, I think, A.J. Terrell is a good corner. And they got they, nothing. They have nothing else. So this should be an easy uh, week one win for the Saints. Should the Saints lose this game somehow? That is phenomenal mm. news. Uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles and their chances of their 2023 pick being high because it just means that the Saints stink. Um, but yeah, because they they should be they should be able to t- take care of this you know absolutely terrible uh, Falcons roster. Agree with you. Falcons are garbage. Falcons starting former Eagles defensive lineman Anthony Rush is one of their mm. starting players. The roster is uh, not good. So we'll definitely go with the Saints here, even though I don't think the Saints are going to be great. And it's crazy that you have Peter King out here saying they're going to finish number one oh, in the <laughs> NFC and go to the Super Bowl. Like, I, what are we doing? So many people are like, well, Jameis Winston played well before he got hurt. Like, OK, that's like a, such a small sample size anyway. compared to his entire was, career. They, they made the game and Sean they made the is game gone. very conservative for him. It was he was. He was the yeah, complete he's... opposite type of quarterback that he was in Tampa when he just yes. aired it out and threw a ton of picks. He had a game where he had like 169 yards, but then like five touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's boosting his stats. And also, again, Sean Payton is gone. He's not there anymore. He doesn't, you don't get to be like, well, Sean Payton fixed Jameis. He's yeah. not there anymore. I know like Pete Carmichael and some of the staff, a lot of the staff. Their is, defense, is, anyway. their defense is legit, uh, but, but it's legit. they're, I mean, now they, they, but they lose Toronto also, Armstead. They draft, uh, what's his face? The, the guy that like gotten 30 fights during, Trevor, Trevor he's, Penning. he's out until at least November. Uh, they're starting James Hurst, I think, uh, at left tackle. They have uh, Alvin Kamara probably is not going to be suspended this year for his, uh, I think it was uh, aggravated assault or something like that, arrest, alleged. something like that. Uh, Marcus yeah. May just got arrested for allegedly pointing a gun at a bunch of girls <laughs> like i think it was something like that so he he may not face um any punishment for whatever he did but there's certainly distractions with him and uh, starting safety and 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 alvin kamara and you know a lot of a lot of sort of like things that can go wrong with that team with as you mentioned peyton being gone Dennis Allen now moving from defensive tackle, no, no longer fo- focusing just on the defense. Now he's the head coach. That could affect the defense. Um, yes. And then 
I mean, Jameis Winston, like, when is, this is, when is he a good quarterback? So yeah, I mean, they, they have a lot of things that can go wrong, but their defense is going to keep them at, there's so many bad teams. Not to get like way off uh, track here, but there are so many bad teams in the NFC. There's seven garbage teams. Lions, Seahawks, Giants, Commanders, Falcons, Panthers. Who am I missing? There's one more. One more. It doesn't matter. Who cares? And Cardinals aren't really that good either. I wouldn't put them among the seven truly garbage teams, but um, the Saints are going to be better than those teams, in my opinion. Uh, I have them sort of. Where, where would you put the over under of them? Like where they're, where the draft pick they owe the Eagles. Where do you think that's going to fall? I think it's going to be in the out. I think it's going to not be top ten, but maybe like. 14. I set it at sixteen point five. So would you take the under on that? Hmm. Yes, slightly, okay. yes. I mean, because I guess, I mean, the AFC teams are going to, there's going to be some AFC teams that are good that have bad records this year because they're just going to lose to other really good AFC teams. So, <laughs> anyway. All right, moving on to our next game. Jags <laughs> at Commanders. The Commanders are two and a half point home favorites. I love this matchup, by the way. Doug love Peterson. It. It's it's great. I, I have to take the Commanders two and a half just because I see too many people taking the Jags, and that's making me nervous. Obviously, I want the Jags to win, and I want Doug Peterson to stick it to Carson Wentz, especially after. I don't think there has been enough apologies made to Doug Peterson for all the ish that he got for, like, breaking yeah, Carson yeah. Wentz and Doug being the problem. And Carson Wentz was fine, and all the Eagles had to do last year before they moved on from him, everyone was talking themselves into, oh, Nick Sirianni can, you know, fix Carson. We can just fix Carson Wentz. Doug was the problem. Like, BS, man. I think we've seen enough of that to play out. Um, although we haven't seen Doug coach since then. So I guess if you still want to hate on Doug in that regard, fine. But I think that's stupid. I really want the Jags to win. But they've been the worst team in the league yeah. for the past two years. And, and I do think, you know, Doug going from – Urban Meyer, who is just not even a real head coach at all, to Doug, who very much is. Uh, even if Doug is a – even the worst-case scenario for Doug, he's still a respectable NFL head coach at the very least. It's an upgrade. But, like, I don't trust the vibes with Balky in the offseason. There's just, like – there's uncertainty there that I don't feel – I can't just give them benefit of the doubt. At the same time, the commanders aren't in, like, a, like an, an amazing spot either. No Chase Young. I don't trust Carson Wentz at all. Um, I'll take the commanders just because – I think they have a higher floor than the Jags do. I think the Jags floor is considerably lower. Um, so I'm kind of thinking about it that way. What yeah, I mean, you? it's funny that I say, like, I love this matchup. <laughs> it's two of the worst franchises in, in football and two of the worst franchises in sports. The Jaguars have, you know, the number one overall pick in the last two years, in each of the last two years. Um, they haven't won a road game since 2019. Been two, They had 0-8 last year. 0-8 the year before that. I can't pick a team that hasn't won a road game <laughs> in over two years. Uh, so I, I did pick the Commanders in this game. They're playing at home, of course. Um, it is funny to me also the Jaguars connection. The Jaguars ended Carson Wentz's Indianapolis career when uh, all the Indy had to do was win one game, either against the Raiders Week 17 or or against the Jag the terrible Jaguars team uh week 18 couldn't get it done against either of them he played he played very badly uh in both of those games and ultimately caused him to get traded to NFL hell uh in in Washington so um it is kind of funny that his first game now with his new team is against these very same Jaguars 
this time, of course, as you noted, led by the great Doug Peterson. Uh, but yeah, give me the commanders in this game. What was the line on that? Wow. So they're saying like, I don't know if they, the NFL still does, you know, home team gets three points. But if so, odds makers are saying that the Jaguars are a better team than Washington based mm. on the 2.5 spread. Uh, but I will take the commanders here and I also will take them to cover that spread. The Jags did not win a road game since 2019 in a stretch where in theory road games were easier than ever because there weren't fans in the stands for like a good chunk of that stretch because of COVID. Like that, that makes it even worse, right? I think that's crazy. Uh, all right. Moving on to Giants at Titans. The Titans are five and a half point favorites. I don't have a lot to say about this one other than the Giants aren't great. And it sounds like Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari, they might not even play or there's some there's some concern there. They were they apparently didn't. Jordan Renan said not looking good Wednesday. for those guys. Yeah. So like, I mean, they're not even good to begin with. And now they're missing two of their better defenders. And the Titans have had very much a stock down offseason. But I still think, again, if we're talking about floors here, the Titans' floor is much higher than the Giants' floor. A, a Giants team that isn't actually even like trying to fully mm-hmm. win this year, cutting Blake Martinez, cutting James Radbury. I'll take the Titans. Titans are a weird team in that it seems like they head into every season with some perceived major holes. Like I think for, for um, most people, I think most people were sort of predicting the Colts to win the division last year in the AFC South. And then they came out mm-hmm. and it was never close. Like they got out to a big lead and they never gave it up. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. They do have a lot of concerns heading into the season like they usually do. Um, they lost A.J. Brown. They traded A.J. Brown away and they Huge. drafted Traylon Burks, who did not have um, an ideal offseason. Mm-hmm. I love Traylon Burks. I think he's actually still going to be good, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but their top receiver right now is Robert Woods, who they traded, what, a six-round pick or something like that for? Um, he's their top guy, uh, for Ryan Tannehill to throw to. I'm not a big Ryan Tannehill guy. They do get Derrick Henry back. They do have that powerful run game still. I love their defensive line. They have enough where they can take care of this Giants team, who, which still stinks. And, uh, five and a half or whatever it is. Yeah. Give, give me the Titans to cover that. Titans always just sort of, no matter what their deficiencies or perceived perceived deficiencies are heading into any season. They just sort of seem to figure it out and uh, play well enough to, you know, get into the playoffs or whatever. They're, I guess they did go on a run during the one playoff run, but you never expect them to sort of uh, be uh, in Super Bowl contention, but they, they, they seem to do just uh, figure out, uh, you know, how to win enough games uh, to, to compete. So uh, I, I think that this is a Giants team that they should be able to handle. Yeah, I think the way I'd put it is I think Vrabel gives them like yeah, a puncher's agreed. chance most, Good head coach. more times than not. Just like under him. Yeah, like they, they have a they have a chance. They're never just like outclassed or like hopeless. Mm-hmm. They they have a chance. I mean, they're not gonna go all the way because of Tannehill, but I think Vrabel, you know, does a good job. Uh Bucks on Sunday night football, Tampa Bay Bucks are two and a half point favorites against the Dallas Cowboys. Give me the Bucks. Come on. The Cowboys, such bad vibes right now. We talked about it on the NFC's mixtape. You have Jerry Jones out here saying one plus one equals three. <laughs> uh, the Cowboys offensive line situation, suspect. I do think the Jason Peters signing is the best move they could have possibly made at this point. But the problem is the yeah, damage yeah. has already been done. And they've made they move they made bad moves to where the point where they needed Jason Peters to be their best solution, and that is not a good solution because it doesn't even solve anything in the sense that he's going to miss time. He's going to miss snap even if he 
like starts a game, he's gonna have to miss snaps. We all know no more reliable. He's no more reliable durability wise than Tyron Smith was heading into the season. So like they still need to sign Mm -hmm. a swing tackle because like he's gonna miss time unless they're cool with just shifting (laughs) Tyler Smith in game to left tackle and then Jason Peters is ready to come back in. Okay, then Tyler Smith now you're going back to left guard. Like that does not seem like an ideal setup. Uh, I know. Uh, the Bucks have had some issues or have some concerning issues on the interior offensive line. But you have Joe Tryon, you have Shaq Barrett going up against the Cowboys offensive line. Um, uh, you have Tom Brady still. It's Tom freaking Brady. And he still has a lot of pass catchers to work with there. Uh, Julio Jones added into the mix. I am going to take the Bucks, and I am really not sweating it and too much. And Peters probably isn't even going to be ready to play week one, right? Did I see that somewhere? Yeah, I mean, he's on the practice squad right now. So, yeah, there's no guarantee. Even they plays. could call him up, of course, for one game. Um, how would that work? with? But they also might not want to do that with the week one How would that work thing, with the you know? week one? Because he'd still technically kind of be on the practice. I don't know. how. Well, I, I just mentioned this with Raven Clark earlier. Not 100% oh, right. sure. Yeah, My sense is that yeah. it would be guaranteed, but I could be wrong. Yeah, so it'll be interesting uh, who even starts <laughs> at left tackle for them week one. My guess is that they probably just pull somebody off the bench, whether that's um, uh, Josh Ball, who they took in the fourth round uh, a year ago, or Matt Willetsko, who they he's hurt. He's hurt. Uh, they took him in the sixth or seventh round, I think, fifth round maybe in this draft. Um, but not good. <laughs> like they are, they're kind of screwed along their offensive line. And you make the good point about the the Buccaneers' interior of their line. Their interior line a year ago was Alex Kappa, Ali Marpet at the guard spots, and then, of course, uh, Ryan Jensen at center. All three of those guys gone. Three replacements in for those guys. Um, so I think it can't be understated how big a loss Ryan Jensen is. And <sighs> Ross Tucker, I think, was talking about this on the podcast. Or maybe it was not on the podcast. But Ross Tucker, I was talking to him on the sideline at one point. And he he made the point that like Ryan Jensen, what his value is, is that he gives up no ground. So at the snap, he's engaging with uh, defensive linemen like as close to the line of scrimmage as possible, which enables Tom Brady to have a nice, clean uh, pocket from which to throw to. And um, without Ryan Jensen in there, that's not as big an advantage for him uh, potentially in 2022. Now, the Cowboys don't have defensive tackles that can really take advantage of that. Like they don't have pocket um, pushing type of defensive tackles that can, you know, sort of, you know, move the pocket back into Tom Brady's face. So, yeah, I don't know that even the Buccaneers biggest uh, deficiency heading into the season can be exploited by the Cowboys, whereas certainly the Buccaneers pass rush can exploit uh, the the Cowboys offensive line and, and their troubles there. And then, you know, we've, we've talked at length, I think about, you know, the Cowboys uh, deficiencies heading into the season. Offensive line is one of them. And of course, wide receiver, Michael Gallup is going to be playing this game. They have CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz and Tony Pollard can maybe catch pass out of the backfield. That's it. This is the worst supporting cast offensively that Dak Prescott is heading into a season with by far because he's always had an offensive line. For the most, there's been a season here or there where like his skill position players weren't necessarily great, but even this year, like they're worse than they've ever been, but he also doesn't have the offensive line this year. And you look at this Buccaneers defense with 
the talent that they have, but also led by Todd Bowles, who knows how to exploit quarterbacks when um, there are, you know, potential question marks around them and, and their supporting cast. So give me the bucks to cover this two and a half point spread. And by the way, like kind of feel like this game might do some decent TV ratings, by the way, with uh, the Cowboys always doing well in prime time. And then of course uh, throw Tom Brady on top of that. Going to do mega ratings on Sunday night football week one. All right. Uh, so you're taking, you're with me yes. you're taking the bucks two and a half. Are we all, are we, uh, so then- we're all chalk okay. thus far. Same lockstep. I'll take in all the favorites. If I had to switch one, I might switch the Jags. If I had to take two and a half points, or just, just winning out. Different. Right? It's, it's okay. both. I mean, yeah. Either way. Um, but let's get to the Eagles lines. Maybe we'll differ here. Uh, Eagles are four point favorites in Detroit. I think that line is a little weird with how everyone, <laughs> yeah. the way everyone's talking about the Eagles nationally, and then even locally, like. No one is thinking the Eagles are going to lose to the Lions. When I made that prediction that they would back when the schedule came out, people were acting, you know, like I'm insane. I'm a hater, blah, 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 whatever. Then, okay, then why isn't the line bigger then? Like, you know, that is a fishy line to me. It's strange. Uh, I have seen it climb to four and a half in some places. So with the movement going towards the Eagles, I like that. I think that's a better sign for them. But it's just at a weird spot right now. And here's the thing. We can talk about the matchups and not to totally invalidate this podcast and what we all talked about but that's the thing about football like you get to the season the games being played things yeah. go out the window you know it's the mike tyson thing you know everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth like the nfl doesn't make sense that's something that i think we don't talk about enough or way enough is that like we can look at all things logically and sometimes it just that's doesn't matter yeah. at all like that, that's what makes football great it's, and that's why it's so entertaining because it's not predictable by any means so i think now, that doesn't mean, uh, you know, there isn't any merit to logical things. And obviously, you know, you break down the matchups and and oftentimes they do play out because a team appears to just be better and outmatching another. But it's not 100% of the time. And it's not even probably like 80% right. of the time. Uh, so I just wonder, like, if we're too easily saying that the Eagles are going to take care of business here. Uh, I do think there's something to the Lions having fight. But see, I'm, I'm talking on both sides of the fence here, but I also think the Lions are getting a little too overrated. And like they, they are darlings because of hard knocks and everything. So And because they, they fought hard last year, and they, and they did overachieve. Like I know they finished with the second overall pick, but in terms of like point differential and against the spread, like they, did, they, they were a little bit better than mm-hmm. their record indicated last year, especially when you factor in how banged up they were too and to kind of like be as respectable as they were and being close in a lot of those games. And they got robbed at you know the end of the Ravens game and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, they shouldn't have. The Ravens I don't shouldn't think they're just gonna... been. I forget the circumstances, but they shouldn't have even been able to kick the uh, yes. the sixty six yep. yard field goal or whatever it was that, that yep. Justin Tucker right. made. Yes, and even if they were, I mean, you lost on a sixty six yard <laughs> right. field goal. Like you, you shouldn't really be, no pun intended, kicking yourself too much. Uh, so. I just think this game could be a little bit closer for comfort. I think the Eagles win. I don't think I'm ready to say the Eagles are going to lose because I think the matchup just skews too much in their favor. But I do think this could be a little more close or a little closer for comfort than Eagles fans would like. This is a sellout in Detroit, by the way. Our friends at Pride of Detroit uh, reported on that, which I think is the first time that's happened in a while. There's a lot of energy. It's a lot of enthusiasm. I know there will be a lot of Eagles fans, I'm sure, in Michigan as well. But there's also going to be a lot of Lions fans. And I think there is something to Dan Campbell having that team ready 
in a specific situation where they got their butts kicked so badly by the Eagles last year. I think there's there's something to that. Um, and there's there could also be something, if we want to kind of take a negative out of Jason Kelsey's comments, which I think were mostly positive, maybe he said that because he is getting a sense that there's a little too much right. smelling themselves going on in the team. And maybe the, the safeguarding against that and his words will kind of help be a reality check for people. But maybe he can only do so much and that that attitude exists and maybe they kind of need a wake up call. And that's ultimately what I was going with when I predicted this to be an Eagles loss. I didn't like I wasn't being like they're going to lose this game and the season's going to be a disaster. Mm -hmm. That's not what I was saying. I was saying it as like they lose week one. It's kind of like, oh, like reality check. We kind of need to check ourselves a little bit here. And then they kind of recover from that. Um, But with the way Gannon takes care of bad quarterbacks, I believe in that. With that, everything that the Eagles have going on offense for them, I believe at the very least they're going to score enough to win to to beat the Lions. Um, so I'll take the Eagles to win, but I will take the points. I'll take the Lions to cover this. I think it's a. I think it's kind of. It could be like a moral loss. The rare, you know, you people talk about the moral win, but I think this could kind of be like a moral loss that actually, again, might be better for the Eagles in the long run of like, okay, we need to check ourselves here and not just assume we're going to waltz to the Super Bowl. So I'm going to say the Eagles win this game by a score of 23 to 20. I was on the fence on whether I was going to take the Lions plus four or not. Uh, I think the Eagles are going to win, but uh, on the fence. But since you took the Lions and the points, I'll lay the points with the Eagles uh, just so that we differ somewhere. Um, You mentioned like, the point differentials. And I, I've seen a lot of people note that they lost a lot of close games last year. We already mentioned the Ravens. They lost by two to them. Um, just looking at the other close games that they lost. They lost by two to the Vikings. Tied the Steelers. They lost by three to the Browns. Lost by two to the Bears. And they lost by four to the Falcons. It's not a lot of good teams there. So like, okay, so you lost close games to those teams. All right, so you lost close games to shit teams. Like, all right, what does that give it? What, like, what, what? I think they had their backup quarterback. In so some of those. I see here Boyle was the quarterback against. Because Blow was in there too. The Browns. Or Blau. Uh, and then Boyle was also the quarterback against the Falcons. But still, we're talking about bad teams here that they that they mm-hmm. narrowly lost to. <laughs> so like as the, the, the Jim too. Schwartz saying, are we giving them gold stars for, for losing close no. games to bad teams? No gold stars. Um, anyway, uh, one thing that really stood out to me about the Eagles game against the Lions last year was at the end of the first half, 13 seconds left. Lions on the Eagles, like 18, 19 yard line or something like that. It was fourth and one, I believe. And they went for it. (laughs) So they they went, it was fourth and one, again, fourth and one, Eagles roughly 18 yard line. So if they kick a field goal right then and there, it's going to be like a 36, 37 yard field goal attempt. Easy uh, in the NFL these days. Um, If they go for it and they convert the only way that makes sense is if they score a touchdown what are the odds of scoring a touchdown from the 18 yard line if you do convert and you get the first down but not score a touchdown you're going to call a timeout and then what's the benefit just a slightly closer field goal <laughs> so they they go for it they run an empty they run a five receiver like empty set play goff sacked by milton williams end of the half <laughs> like disaster type of play uh in that game for them and uh 
that's the kind of play where I'm like, all right, Dan Campbell isn't actually a good head coach. So mm. like, that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing where you go, okay, well there's problems with the head coaching there. He does get his players seemingly to play hard for him though. And one thing, uh, you yeah. know, one other takeaway that I'll have from hard knocks too, is when, when they are cutting guys as they show every year, you know, there are some guys that are pissed. Like when they get cut, when they show guys getting cut this year, like the respect that the players had for Dan Campbell and the GM, whose name is escaping me right now, Brad, Brad Holmes, Holmes was legit. Like those guys, you know, really seemed to love uh, Dan Campbell and, and Brad Holmes, um, which, you know, you, your dreams, the dreams for some of these guys are over in that moment. And I think some of these guys thought they were going to make the team and then didn't, but they're still, you know, very complimentary of the way that Dan Campbell was straight with them and honest with them and the way that he ran the camp and such. So there's something to that. Like you get guys to play hard for you. Some coaches can't do that. Uh, some coaches have trouble with game planning and, you know, in-game decision-making. I think that's where Dan Campbell struggles. So if he can put that all together, maybe he can be a head coach. But some of the like the nonsense things like uh, speeches that he would have during, you know, meetings or whatever. I watch it on TV and I go, what the hell is he talking about? It doesn't make like, this stuff makes any sense to me at all. But then like they'll show the players like nodding their head like, yeah, <laughs> like like they're buying into this nonsense talk that he's saying. So I don't know, whatever. Uh, his players do seem to play hard for him. It's a young, scrappy team, dangerous uh, team to get, in my opinion, week one before they don't know that they're not a talented, good team. Like they might think they're good right, right now and can compete with with a team like mm-hmm. the Eagles. They don't know that yet. Uh, so in that, like I always talk, like when the schedule comes out, that you want to get the bad teams early because you get the good teams later in the season. Like they quarterback might get hurt or something like that, and then they become a bad mm-hmm. team. So this sort of tests that theory a little bit because. Yeah. By bad team, like if you get the Giants week one, you're sure you're happy to get a team like that week one. But it's like a scrappy, try hard team like this, maybe not ideal uh, early in the season. So uh, I do think the Eagles will win because you just look at you look at each positional group, quarterback, running back, receiver, yeah. tight end, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, corner safety. Are the lines better than the Eagles in like maybe running back? But otherwise, anything. So the Eagles are just so much more talented this, than this team. Where I have to take them, but like you, like that four point spread is glaring. I feel like it should be higher, uh, and that's why I'm just afraid to touch it. Like we went through this on the mixtape, RJ and I. But like, like the, the the Niners are seven point road favorites in Chicago. The Niners with like a quarterback who <laughs> hasn't played right. a lot, and there's a lot of uncertainty. <laughs> Um, the Bengals are six and a half point home favorites against the Steelers who are like respectable. Um, the Cardinals one I remember was out of whack. The the Cardinals or the Chiefs are six point favorites on the road against the Cardinals, which I I don't believe in the Cardinals, but like, you know, they were, they were a playoff team last year. Like, it's just a little weird that you see these big lines around the league and then the Eagles are at four. Like what? Like that's a little seven over the, uh, seven over the Jets. Uh, in in, in, in New York, seven over the yep, Texans in, in Houston. Yeah, in yep. in Houston, like in like so, like what, like what, it does stick out. Maybe it doesn't mean anything, but like it's 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 a little odd to me. So so I'm gonna take the points. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I do think maybe if I'm projecting the game, how it could go, I could see like maybe Eagles get off to a little bit of a slow start because you're in Detroit, the crowd's mm-hmm. going, the Lions are all fired up, 
and then it becomes clear at some point, oh, the Eagles are the better <laughs> right. team and they pull away at the end. But I think it could be a little like dicey early on, a little uh, nervous. I think there, I don't think this is week one last year. I don't think it's like the Eagles come out from the jump. They're the, the better team. Uh, there was a little nerves early on last year because I think the defense was allowing the Falcons to kind of move the ball with a little too much ease. Um, but I, I think there's going to be some kind of nervous feeling here. But that's football, and that's Eagles football. So it's 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 just the the the, court, the, the yeah. nature of things. All right, any final thoughts, Jimmy? No, uh, I'm excited that football season's back and uh, college football for that matter too. It's you know sort of what I get mm. to watch uh, for fun, whereas it used to be the NFL. Um, but yeah, just looking forward to heading out to Detroit, watching this game, and then uh, <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, every city's fine in, in America. Um, but yeah, what? That's yeah. your take. Every city yeah. is fine in a big enough city. Every you know you can you can you can you, fi- just, you can find things you know fun things to do in any city in America is basically what I mean. Maybe maybe not maybe not Camden so much, but uh, but anyway. Um, Have you ever been to Donkeys? What's that? Have you ever been to Donkeys in Camden, the cheesesteak place, or the, the? So there's a Donkeys in Camden, and there's also one right by me on the border of Marlton Lakes and Medford. I think it's actually way to really in, dox yourself here. in Medford. <laughs> What's your address, by the way? <laughs> I've said before on the podcast that I live in Marlton. I think. Maybe yeah, you said like the border, like right by me. Oh well, no, no, no. More specific. So no, I'm not on the border of Marlton. Oh okay, but uh. uh Don- they have. Anyway, Let's get some more long details short, about where you live. There's a donkeys in Medford, and it is good. Have you been there? Okay. Have you been to the one in? No, Canada? I've been wanting. No, I've been wanting to go. I've heard good things. I'm excited to try it. I'll report back when I do at some point. Um, still the best cheesesteak we know is at Woodrose, and not a sponsor. Okay. I wish they were, but uh, just so good. You haven't had a Woodrose cheesesteak yet. Right? I've not. No. Oh, we gotta. We should maybe put a bet on something. Maybe they're, we. They're in, okay. They're in the city or outside. They're on South Street. Oh, so okay. Here we go. Really? Why don't we? The winner of this year's BGN picks against the spread record, um, this the picks record, not just the Eagles straight up, but the the, the overall picks against the okay. spread record, uh, will buy the winner will buy the loser. No, that doesn't make sense. The loser rather will buy the winner a Woodrose cheesesteak. Done. Okay. Boom. Got it. Locked in. So people can follow along with that this season. Um, this has been. BGN Radio, the first episode of the season. We went a little long, but guess what? Uh, it's not like training camp. We're doing daily pods. Uh, we, we're probably only going to be on once a week or whatever. We'll, you know, there could be an emergency pod. We'll we'll adjust as necessary. But this is the the big show before, not the big show like the wrestler. You know, uh, like well, it's the big show. Did you watch W? You watched WWE, right? <laughs> You like that? You like that impersonation or uh, that uh, cover? I think right? our listeners uh, missed out on the visual of uh, of that impression too. It's <laughs> doing like a robot dance. Um, right, it didn't make this any, is why we need to be on video, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But I am I am um, familiar with the big show. I was not a wrestling fan at that point uh, right. in wrestling history, but a little too I late. am familiar with the. Yeah, I'm too old for that. I was more like the mm. uh, Jimmy Superfly Snooka. Junkyard dog days, yeah. All right. So uh, we appreciate you rating, reviewing, subscribing, all those good things. Check out all the episodes on the BGN feed, including the NFC East mixtape, which I thought was really fun with RJ this week. Usually is. Um, And also make sure to what's still coming up, uh, Eye on the Enemy with John Stolness. 
uh, interviewing Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit. If you want the Lions perspective leading up into this matchup, um, among all the other shows, wonderful shows, including the postgame show we have here at Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed and bleedinggreennation.com is where you can find my work. Jimmy Kemsky can be found at phillyvoice.com on social media at Brandon Gowton, Instagram, Twitter, Jimmy Kemsky, Instagram, Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky at BGN underscore radio is where you want to go for the podcast Twitter account at Bleeding Green is the blog Twitter account and where you will find at some point here. Once the link goes live, I don't have it as I'm saying this right now, but it will be out uh, before the game at some point, I believe on Friday, potentially at the latest, the DraftKings same game parlay. So you can check that out. Uh, check out RightToSelling.com, discount code BGN20 for 20% off. Check out Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com by calling or texting this phone number. 856-906-9295. If you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house or looking for advice or getting connected with another realtor not in New Jersey. Uh, and that's it. We will be back with you next week after the Eagles are 1-0, maybe? We'll see. Or 0-1 and, and things will be... <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine if they lose just like <laughs> right. this team's going to the super bowl this team lost to the lions just like the the, the pendulum will very much swing right. one way to the other so i don't think that'll be the case in likelihood but uh but we'll see and we'll be here to talk about it either way thanks for riding with us once again we will talk to you next time goodbye everybody P G N. <laughs>